Williams, everybody. Thanks for coming tonight. We got, uh, you can see we're, we're in the school cafeteria tonight. You're going to learn something, I hope. And, you know, the great news is we have a school teacher tonight, so it's appropriate. Uh, our speaker tonight is somebody I've known since she was in middle school. And uh, I've enjoyed getting to know her over the years and watching her become more fully who God made her to be. Uh, and so I think she's going to tell you all that you need to know about her when she gets up here. So just please welcome Elizabeth Hopper. Thank you, Susan. It's an honor to be a part of this podcast, knowing of the people who have spoken on this before. So it's very humbling. Um, I'm going to start. I'm going to put us um, a few years ago. I, um, I was at Dumbro's, so a coffee shop downtown. And I, at the time, was working full-time as a nurse's aide, and I had worked some double shifts, and it was my day off, first day off in a while. So I was taking the day at the coffee shop. It was late in the morning, and I was super disheveled. I had glasses on, which means I didn't really care how coordinated my speech or general behavior was, and I was wearing sweatpants and probably socks with sandals. Like, I just... All, all thought of what other people might think of me to the wind, like, whatever. And I'm sitting in the booth, and I'm all curled up in the corner, and I'm just really enjoying my coffee, and I have the newspaper, and I have a book, or I don't know what I was doing, because that was the whole point, because I just wanted to veg. And I start to, get, start to notice that there's a lot of these young men coming into Dumbros, and, and they have, um, they're really nicely dressed. <laughs> and they have accents. And so I'm becoming a lot more conscious of my very unconscientious wardrobe decisions <laughs> and um, just coming, becoming more and more in the corner of the booth. And um, they're coming in, and one of them comes over to my booth, and he goes, oh, do you mind if I take the newspaper? <laughs> yes, take, yes, yes, take it, yes. Just don't look at me and leave me alone. <laughs> and... Um, so I'm starting to think, like, okay, I need to go somewhere else to veg. And this older woman comes in, and she's really nicely dressed, and it's very clear that these men and these young people are associated with her in some way. And my first impression of her is she must be a matriarch of a family, of a, like, kind of well-to-do family, because she's nicely dressed, but she's also carrying a stuffed animal, and so I'm thinking she might be a little crazy. And I, I just am like, I'm just, I don't like this anymore. And I just am gathering my things and I go to leave and I turn around. And by this time she's ordered her coffee and is heading towards me. And I come up and I, and I make eye contact with her. We're face to face. And she says something like, oh, excuse me, dear. And I realize who she is. She's Jane Goodall. Half of you don't know who she is. <laughs> I know who she is because my best friend in fourth grade did her for Famous Faces, and I was super excited about it and helped her with her costume. And Jane Goodall is this pretty famous scientist who lived with monkeys and, like, did all this discovery. I don't even know specifically. I just know she's kind of a big deal in the, like, world of that science. <laughs> but I, I was just, like, shocked, and I just, like, couldn't believe it. 
And I was just like just flabbergasted by my audacity of thinking she was some crazy woman. <laughs> but I just like threw my stuff away and left. And before I was even out of Dumbrose, I had already called my friend who had played Jane Goodall. And she didn't answer because all my friends were at college at the time. So she didn't answer. And I left this voicemail about basically everything I just told you right now. <laughs> so it's really hysterical voicemail. But I was so dissatisfied that I didn't get to tell her in real time that I immediately called another friend that I had known for a long time. Called her up, and I'm in my car now, and I'm, dri I'm driving south towards the cathedral, just subconsciously. But my other friend doesn't answer, so I leave another voicemail. And I'm so dissatisfied. Like, I just need someone to know I saw Jane Goodall. <laughs> and, and so I call another friend. Again, voicemail. And now my voicemails are getting shorter, and I'm becoming a little bit more anxious and frustrated that I can't share with the world this joy of seeing Jane Goodall. And um, I call one more person, and by this time, I'm heading, I'm, I'm to the cathedral, and one of my real good friends and mentors, our own Susan Safford, was working at the Chancery at the time. So I just decide like, oh, I know she's in there, so I'll just go and tell her. So I'm pulling in, and my relationship with Susan has always been, um, especially at the beginning, one that I understood she would keep me accountable in prayer and in my relationship with Christ, and was always asking me, what is God calling you to? And... Um, yeah, so, so there was always this standard when I was speaking with her that that's kind of how our conversations would go. There'd always be about the ultimate things, right? <laughs> so I, um, I, she lets me into her office, and I had been ready to tell her all about Jane Goodall. And she says, hey, so what's up? What's, what's going on? And I go, oh, I, I am so ashamed. I don't know what's wrong with me. And because by this time, the dissatisfaction of not being able to tell someone had kind of seeped in. And, um, and then I saw this real stark disparity that um, no one really knows who Jane Goodall is. And she's important. And I, I don't mean to dismiss her con contribution to the sciences. But she's really, in the, in the scheme of things, not all that important. And meanwhile, I, I, w I was receiving communion on a pretty regular basis, and I was praying on a pretty regular basis in front of the Eucharist, in front of our Lord, and I was reading with Scripture and encountering Him in Scripture, and I had failed to talk to my friends in a sincere way, in an, an excited way. Even on a regular basis, I had, I had really failed to do that in my life. And then I have this passing glimpse of Jane Goodall, this famous face from fourth grade, and I can't contain my giddiness of letting someone know. And that, that experience, um, well, Susan heard me out, and um, she goes, well, you want to sew some envelopes? <laughs> so, <laughs> it was great, because for me, I, I, if I have something to fiddle with, it, and, and if I can speak out loud, it, it really helps me process. So, it was a real gift, and she walked me um, kind of through that experience and helped me process it more. Um, but that, that was a real, um, I often go back to that moment because it, it put a desire in my heart to have an integrity in my life where I, 
where Christ, that I really believed in him and to such a point that he was integrated into my daily conversations and, and that my prayer life wasn't just something I did, but that it was who I was and that it was real. And I really desired, desired an encounter that, that would cause that integrity. Um, and so if we fast forward a little bit, um, after a summer of, um, of working a catechetical program that just really filled me with the joy of the gospel and of sharing the gospel, I had a conversation with my spiritual director about how I was pretty um, discontent with how my prayer life had been, that it seemed to be um, very much motivated by wanting to know how I could prove I was holy or how I could do something that would prove um, like I wanted my vocation, like I wanted him to give me something and then when I got to that point, I'd be done. It was very mercenary. Um, and my spiritual director talked to me about how um, how when we go to pray, we should be praying to have a relationship. <laughs> and I said, yeah, okay, then teach me, help me to pray every day like I'll pray for the rest of my life regardless of what happens. That, um, that, I, that I go for that and so that it's a, it's a farther away goal and so I won't be able to stop. I'll, I'll just have to pray every day in a real way. And I really think um, he, he had me, he walked me through the Ignatian exercises. So um, it's a retreat, um, I'm pretty sure, designed for 30 days. Set up over um, each week is a different theme. And then the one he did with me was stretched out of over nine months and then worked in for my college schedule. And so um, I really see that had I not committed to that in, it was August or September, and I hadn't developed a prayer life that was robust in that way, um, I would have missed the next experience I'm about to share. And I would have missed um, the way God had called me. I wouldn't have been able to see it because um, it made my prayer life robust and supported my discernment, my search for God in a way that wasn't dependent on me. It was, it was grace being able to, to penetrate my blindness. Um, and so I'd like, I'd like to share the experience that really changed um, my relationship with Christ. It was um, over Christmas, and I had been praying this Ignatian um, retreat, and I was just coming to the Incarnation. And so it was over Christmas, and a, a dear friend of mine and a mentor um, was just giving birth, and she has a family, and uh, like fam she had already had kids, and they had decided to have children at home, and so, and had invited me to participate, but I wasn't able to go because I was in school, and so because I missed it, I, um, she generously shared with me her experience, and and made it feel very, um, very home and very near, and and just shared a lot of the process of birth that I hadn't really thought about or seen outside of like anatomy class or human embryology. And so um, she spoke about just the process of delivering and then of nursing her baby for the first time. And so it was with that, um, with that reflection that when I went to go pray with the nativity for the third and fourth time, Our Lady really opened up her motherhood to me. And um, I, I was praying with the nativity and, and just the scripture, just the encounter of 
baby Jesus, like our, our almighty God, the creator of the universe, who sustains my life and who loves me in this baby. <laughs> I, just to see the look of love on this baby's face, and Mary sharing with me this desire of a mother to know this person in and out and to see them take their first steps and to be with them at all moments and to know the movements of their heart and, and wanting other people to know this person and then knowing that this, this baby is Jesus and knowing where he would go for me and knowing, knowing his love and seeing his face and holding this baby, this precious little baby. Yeah, it, it was an encounter that I, I wish I could, I wish I could share. I wish I could bring you there. Um, and after that day, I asked the Lord, I, I want to be a missionary. I want to bring people here. I, I want to know Jesus. I want to know you, and I want other people to know you. I want to bring them here. I want to bring them to the manger, and um, and so I prayed to be a missionary. <laughs> And um, the Lord answered my prayer and called me to be a missionary with focus. And I served for two years. And um, just about two to three months ago, um, it was very clear God wanted me here. And now that's the role, that's the rule of my life is wherever that person is, wherever that gaze is, wherever Jesus is, that's, that's where I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go there. And right now... <laughs> Um, I'm over my head. Like I, I decided to stay in Rapid, and he provided. God is so good, and he, he gave me exactly what my heart desired that I didn't even know to ask for. Um, and I am so overwhelmed, and I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing, and I was sharing with a few people that um, I'm over my head, and it's not like I'm treading water. It's that God thinks I have gills. <laughs> but it is such a joy. I, I mean, it's just incredible to know that there is no anxiety. There is a peace that surpasses understanding and knowing that this is God's plan. This is not something I have to prove. This is not something I have to do. This is just who he's, he's calling me to be with him. And so just to be here. Um, there's been so many times in the past few months where I just, oh man, I'm just so glad to be here right now and the people I'm with are like like right in this car or like what are you? like yeah like I I would have been in Arizona I would have been miserable and yeah so for me um what I'd love to share with you is that I if I hadn't been praying and encountering God and and really seeking him and 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 having a spiritual director really keep me accountable to that and um and praying every day, looking for an encounter with Jesus, wanting to have an integrity of faith that wasn't a work and wasn't a show, but was just love. Um, I would have, I would have missed that, and I, I would be running, I'd be a fool on my own errands in Arizona, doing good work, right? I'd be a missionary. I'd be doing good work, um, but He's called us to so much more than that, and um, yeah. So praise the Lord. Um, he, he is working in our hearts in such marvelous ways and is drawing us closer and closer each day. Um, may we have the grace to respond. Amen. Thank you. <laughs>
for being here. Um, the flame is always about uh, the flame of uh, the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in the spirit of St. Catherine of Siena, who said, if you are who you should be, you will set the world on fire. So we appreciate your sharing about the way God is setting the world on fire through you. And uh, please bring your friends to the flame. And uh, if you missed one or if you're new, go to theflamerc.com and you can listen to all of the podcasts that we've had so far. Uh, next month, November 6th, Thursday. Spread it on Facebook because you know I forget until two days before. So spread the word uh, and, uh, and join us in November. Thanks for being here.